This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. For now, we'd love to welcome you to another edition of Bite Into It with Dan Morganti on the panel tonight. Hey, Dan. Hey, how are you going? I'm very well, thank you. And we've got Simon Brown with us, our music expert, amongst other things. Hey, Simon. That's overplaying things. Well, (laughs) it's good to have you with us. We've we've missed the expertise here, I think. Um, And I'm Vanessa Taholka, so thanks for tuning in. Tonight, we will be discussing some changes to the MIDI protocol, which completely went over my head. But Simon, you seem pretty excited about that. I am it's going to be it's going to be a fun chat for those who don't know if that sounds very boring then uh, i reckon pretty much any uh music that you listen to that is not entirely guitar guitar driven grunge is probably has midi at it at some point in the recording so uh yeah stay tuned it's it's going to be it's, it's important and good news for the future of music we're also very excited to be speaking to an international guest this evening. Well, she would have been an international guest, except she has temporarily relocated herself to our pretty little town of Melbourne. And we want to hear a bit about her journey um, with emerging skills in the games industry and how she got hooked up with a job in Melbourne all the way from her home base in Germany. So that's coming up a bit later on. Before we get there, let's hear some news. Uh, We're always covering various sorts of hardware updates and things. And the latest is that there are new versions of Samsung Galaxies coming out. So the S9 and the S9 Plus are headed our way. Uh, They will be available in Australia um, for pre-orders this week. And the phones will officially be releasing on the 16th of March in our region. the sort of prices that we're expecting to see for smartphones these days. Uh, 1,200 for like a 64 gig S9. Uh, If you want the 256 gig, the $1,350. My first car cost less than that. This is the thing. They're the prices of like pro style laptops nowadays. It's incredible. I'm still rocking an S4 and I've been meaning to get a new phone for a while. But, yeah, I'm going to have to sell a kidney to get one of those, I think. Absolutely. So, as usual with the Samsungs, the big news is in the camera. Uh, It's meant to be pretty sweet that they first introduced their dual-pixel camera on the Samsung Galaxy S7 in 2016. And that was largely unchanged because it was pretty ahead of the market for its time. So in their Note 7, S8, it was the same sort of thing, but now they've upgraded. So there's a new super speed dual pixel camera, as they're calling it, because they need some work in the names department. Dual, uh, I hope it takes more than two pixels. It, uh, there's a whole lot of aperture detail for the okay, nerds out right, there, but good. I'm not going to bother reading that out. Good, good. Uh, they've also embedded some DRAM chip to process data right on the sensor rather than having to send it to the phone's main RAM. So there should be some performance benefits and less noise in the photographs that they take. That's what we're being promised. They've also got a super slow-mo feature for those cool slowed down. I do love those. Little, yeah, they're pretty good. Uh, and they've got some AR emoji things going on, which is uh, pretty much, you know, when you when you put uh, like a filter over your face, but you're getting that filter to modify to your face as you move around. Yeah. Dare I say something that, you know, Snapshot, uh, Snapchat, sorry, yeah. Snapchat really uh, pioneered a lot of, but now we're seeing it uh, in emoji services on all the different services. 
they've also ex- uh, got their Bixby live translation service. So there's a lot of things that will do live translation for you nowadays. You know, get your camera out, look at a sign or a printed text in one language and have it converted to another. Lots of people use various Google services to do that or specific apps. But the Galaxy S9 is removing the barriers to that and just having it, you know, without having to go to a separate app, you can sort of activate this. So that's kind of cool. They're also going with an iris unlock technology, I guess, to uh, put something different in the market to things like 3D face scanners like the iPhone X. These guys have fingerprint sensors on the back, which they've had for a while, but now they're trialling an iris uh, scan unlock as well. They're saying that this tech is 10 times more secure than Apple's Face ID. So yet to be tested, yet to be released here. Um, just keep watching brief on this. Mm. I'm excited. I, I really do need a new phone. Mine's burning <laughs> out at the moment. I've replaced the battery like but, four times. But Dan, have you not been tempted by the Nokia re-releasing the banana phone of um, Matrix th- fame? I think I'd rather a 3310. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's more Old in reliable. budget. Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of security, uh, the notifiable data breaches or NDPB, pardon me, scheme comes into place or has come into place uh, this week. Um, basically, that means that uh, organisations uh, who have your data have to notify you if there has been a breach of that data that will uh, impact on you. Now, it's not every breach. Uh, There is a few criterion as to what breaches are eligible and which ones aren't. So an eligible data breach occurs when there is unauthorised access or disclosure of personal information held by an entity and this is likely to result in serious harm to any of the individuals to whom the information relates and the entity has been unable to prevent the likely risk of that serious harm with any remedial action. So in that case where there has been a a data breach, we're talking passwords, credit cards, personal details, then they have to tell you with the idea being that if they tell you in a timely manner, then you should be able to do something about it, change your password, get a new credit card, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, This is a good thing. I can, I can only see this as a good thing. The, um, you know, we've, We've had plenty of uh, data breach news items across our desks over the years that I've just been doing this show, and a lot of them have come out after many years. So uh, in in this case, uh, at least, um, you know, law-abiding companies should turn around and tell you fairly quickly whether or not um, they they have had a breach of his, I, I'm imagining because it's an Australian government scheme that it only covers Australian companies, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Uh, I'm might, not either. We'll have to talk we'll have to, to a lawyer. Yeah, we'll have to talk to someone and find out a little bit more about it. it, it it'll be worth finding out because um, obviously not only is this uh, scheme, you know, it, you, you and I, well, most of us don't really have to do anything about it, but um, I imagine that there is some pretty serious work has been done over the year since this was passed in a lot of companies to make sure that they are nimble enough. I would expect that it would extend to any companies operating within our territory. And that's what we've seen in, say, 
the uh, new privacy legislation in Germany where anyone operating in that territory, so lots of global companies have had to react to um, being careful about storing private information mm. about people. Isn't it really difficult to police something like that when, you know, you have servers maybe outside of Australia or something like that? I imagine that would make things a little bit harder, right? I think they'd say that, but it's in their best interest anyway to be on top of this sort of thing. And That's so true. if we have a standard that people adhere to and it's transparent and there's an expectation, then I hope that this should just be the, the normal cost of doing business. Yeah. There, if you are uh, in any way... Um, collecting data and you think that this may, uh, you know, impact on your operations, then there's a whole heap of resources that you can find on the website of the Office of the Australian Information Commissioner. Awesome. Excellent. Um, and after months of controversy, the ESRB, which is the Entertainment Software Ratings Board, it's an American company um, or an American institution, uh, they're adding in-game purchase labels to their video games, um, basically to combat or not combat, um, allow uh, people to understand that there's going to be per, uh, potential for purchases, in-game purchases. It's um, come after the loot box controversy where EA um, put loot boxes in their games, which is, they say it's not gambling, but it is really gambling. It's you're paying money to roll the roulette wheel and wow. you're given in-game items. I think they get around it by, by the fact that it's using in-game currency, but you're still using real money to buy that in-game currency. And or particularly in troubling when part of your audience is children. That's what yeah, they're... Introducing these behaviours. That, yeah, that's what they're introducing it for. It's not wow. for adults. It's, it's mainly for parents to understand that if they're handing their children a phone and they've got an app on that phone and it has a uh, in-game purchases app, you know, they disable mm. the credit card or something like that on the game. No, so. I guess this is something that we've seen enforced in things like the the Apple Store for a long time. Yeah, so absolutely. it's just reaching out into the physical world. And I mean, the ESRB is only a, uh, is self-regulated, so mm -hmm. I don't think um, companies actually have to adhere to it. But if they don't, they don't get rated. They don't get put on shelves. So that's um, fantastic. Yeah. So they've actually got a bit of tooth. A bit to of clout. Yeah. 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 Very nice. We have just been joined by Maze Wallen. Some of you might know her as a composer, a sound designer and an audio programmer. Maze's focus is in 3D spatialised audio and dynamic music using cutting edge techniques. If you're in Melbourne, you might be lucky enough to have attended one of her classes at a number of tertiary institutions. But for now, she is here to help bring some light to the very technical changes to the MIDI protocol. Maze, welcome back to the show. Hello. So good to have you here. Yes, I'm so happy to be back. <laughs> <laughs> so for people who are unaware of what MIDI even is, mm. let's try, what what would you give, what's your best analogy? Um, yep, all right. So it's, it's the, oh, God, it's the name of the, basically the signal of like a MIDI instrument, so those instruments that don't make sound on their own to the computer to be like, hey, make this, make this sound. Mm. So yeah, because it's mm. it's it in protocol terms, it's really old. Like, so it was 1981. 81. Yeah. So yeah, which is you know. So all of the 80s music, mm. all of that sort of uh, synth synth. Amazingness. Yes. Maybe. Yeah. 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 And so for for people who don't quite get, so if you're talking to a synthesizer 
and you want to tell it what to play, you don't actually send it sound, you send it what note to play, when yeah. to play it. Numbers. Yeah, yeah, numbers. But yeah. I'm now MIDI is still kicking around. It's still on a lot of instruments that you buy today and it's totally. still kind of the like basis of a lot of music software. But yeah. hasn't really seen that many updates, has it? No, and I'm actually surprised that it has been updated at all and um, that we haven't just moved completely on from MIDI because there are a few other protocols like OSC um, that actually talk to a number of hardwares and the more that musicians um, and performers worked with, you know, things like lighting or video DJs or um, uh, whatever, other automated drones or something, Mm -hmm. you know... um, (laughs) there's this, this, you know, other protocol that actually works a lot better. It's a lot more streamlined. Um, so, yeah, it has come as a surprise that people have actually been working on updating MIDI. Why do you think that is? I guess there's just a lot that we'd have to redo, you know, mm. as far as I, I reckon it's hardware. I reckon it's a hardware thing. Because there's a lot of old instruments kicking around that are... Uh, that still use MIDI to talk yeah, and that are kind of hard to upgrade. Totally. I have seen, I've lived with a couple of musicians and they've used MIDIs, yeah. which are generally just, or what from what I've seen, are just like they look like keyboards. Is, is there any other kinds of MIDIs or are they yeah. all just keyboards? Well, you can have drum pads, um, faders and knobs are usually outputting MIDI as well. Um, you could generate MIDI from like infrared cameras and things like that. Oh really? So Jeez. Because um, your digital audio workstation like Pro Tools or Logic or Ableton are all intake MIDI um, you might want to actually convert anything to a MIDI signal so that you can talk mm. to them. Because yeah. it's just numbers. So people have used uh, things like Leap Motion um, mm. to control MIDI sounds as well. Okay. Um, there was actually a guy who used um, one of those uh, sort of motion sensing game controllers and hacked it to control the town hall organ, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> amongst other things. So it's, yeah, it's quite flexible. It's just really old. Yeah. Because, and so because we're basically it's an 8-bit protocol. In theory, could you get a bunch of bananas and just as long as they're plugged in with all the right wires, you could yeah. use bananas. Yeah, I have, se- I have, seen, that. Yeah, I yeah. have seen that done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Making yeah. music with bananas. That's it. Just little on-offs between 0 and 127. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so because it's so old, it's really quite blunt and simple. So what are the changes yeah. that have been made this time around? So we've got this new thing, MPE MIDI, um, which stands for Multidimensional Polyphonic Expression. Ooh. Ooh. So (laughs) what does that let you do that MIDI doesn't already? So each note now has its own set of channels. So instead of your instrument having one channel for the notes, one channel for um, other like volume and one channel for uh, pitch bending, um, each note actually now has that. so when, you know, if you're using a synth and you've got the expression uh, wheel on one side, instead of having that on one side, you've now got it on every single note. Yeah? Yeah. So I, yeah. I've got a bit of an audio demonstration that we can do. I, I haven't actually managed to plug this in. So let me just... Can everyone hear that? Yep. All right. Yeah. So um, as, as an example, uh, in old MIDI, you could pitch bend 
with a note so you could go but you could only do that once at a time so with uh what is it multi-dimensional polyphonic expression (laughs) (laughs) you can do that with several notes at a time so you can go yeah so you actually had some notes going down and some notes going up. They're all doing their own thing. That's right. Yeah, instead yeah. of the whole instrument going either down or up. Mm. Yeah. It sounds like the Rugrats theme tune, what you were just doing, right, just then. I was going for demonstration over musical oh, expression. Okay. But, you know. Uh, <laughs> um, so that's cool. Yeah, and we have all these new instruments now made for it. So one of the biggest sort of YouTube sensations um, that came out when this new protocol was being discussed in 2015 were the Rolly seaboards. So if anyone's ever seen those long black keyboards where all of the notes are attached and it's really squishy, um, now each of those notes you have going on the X and Y axis. So X you'll have different timbres, on Y you'll have pitch as usual. Um, and then you can also press in for different things. So it's not just how fast you approach it with, it's the actual pressing in and then wiggling your fingers around. It's quite sensual. Do you th- <laughs> sensual? Do you, think oh, it yeah. might, do you think it might, do you think it will improve music? I think it's, it's interesting because if we look at like the production budgets of film or games or things like that uh thank you (laughs) um the budget for audio just gets low and lower and lower over the years unless you're in virtual reality where we're sort of taken over again um so i think that it will get back up you know, so we don't have the money to hire a real orchestra now, but now your bedroom DJ, your bedroom producer can uh, implement um, an orchestra a lot better and a lot easier. With the kind of more real sounding... Yeah, yeah. The, the sort of, the sort of yeah, the, the delicate Yeah, and it comes movements. naturally. So mm. instead of, you know, having each note, you know, you can play it through with a little bit of expression, but then you're going to go back to your score and alter every single little note, which doesn't sound natural. It sounds like you've altered every single note, you know. Um, we can just play things very naturally. But it, it is it is a learning curve to play those instruments that are really squishy. They're, really so you've played one? Yeah, I got um, Rolly released the Blocks series, so they're little mini versions of um, a lot of a lot of their tools. They're much more affordable. Mm. Yeah, so you know, four hundred instead of seven grand. Yeah, that's yeah. that's an improvement. It's quite a step yep. down. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. This isn't the only change that they've made, is it? No, they've got that uh, like MIDI CI, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Yes. This is where it starts getting a bit more technical, but yeah. as far as... <laughs> Just here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but as far as I understand, this is now a whole heap of... Because as you were saying, there are protocols that have, are way ahead of the game because mm. they haven't had to be backwards compatible. They've been able mm. to, like, you know, have a, a larger a range, range of expression available straight out of the blocks. So... Um, but as part of this update, they've announced uh, this thing called MIDI CI, which seems to be 
I don't quite get it, but it seems to be a way for software and hardware to talk to each other a lot more easily. Mm. So um, because with MIDI there has traditionally been a lot of setup. So uh, if you plug it in a piece of hardware, then it would, you know, I mean... Do a lot more more automatic things. Yeah. This will be good for people who make their own MIDI controllers especially. You know, when you plug it in... Uh, the software will sort of already know the behaviour of it. So it's kind of able to go, hello, this is me and this is what I do. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Instead of, okay, this Akai thing has been out for this long, so I'm pretty sure Ableton will know what it is by now, Mm -hmm. you know, because they're two big companies. Yeah. Yeah. So to you, did it sound like you were able to save these configurations and maybe share with collaborators? Well, it's actually to be, as far as I can tell, it's embedded in... So when you plug in this device, it will then go, hello, this is me and this is what I do and I can talk to you this way. And then theoretically, if the other device has the same thing, it will go, hello, oh, that's nice. I'm here and I do this and we can talk to each other and do this. Oh, this is getting amazing. So, um, but do you, so this is means that MIDI is going to be able to sort of say, take a next step and offer all of these new things and still be backwards compatible. Do you think... Yeah. So what do you think this means for the other protocols like OSC and all the other ones that have been sort of battling it out? I mean, I think OSC is just going to keep going just because it is compatible with the 21st century producer who also controls projectors and lights and drones, you know. Um, I I don't reckon those industries who make those other products would see value in adopting MIDI. Mm. So, what sort of products are we talking that don't that have that would take the well, OSC protocol rather than the MIDI protocol? Because you, yeah, because I'm sort of mainly in the sort of hitting things and having them make noises world. Yeah, <laughs> well, I guess we are. We're talking about um, like game engines, things like that, um, and then yeah, just other hardware. So, lighting has its own version of MIDI called DMX, um, but often you'll actually get the conversion from MIDI, you'll have some other setup uh, which makes everything OSC so that it runs your lights and your sound and your drones and your whatever else. And then it'll, it'll spit out whatever message these other hardwares, if they're older, like lighting, um, need. Yeah, so, mm. yeah. And you were talking about virtual reality before and virtual reality has mm. its, like, it, you know, it, mind bending what you need to do with audio in virtual reality. So what are the standards that are emerging there? Because it's quite a new space. Yeah, so I guess it's just all about spatial audio, right? Um, I keep getting adjusted. This is hilarious. (laughs) I just did three weeks of VO. I should know how to use a microphone. You need to lean in, Maze. It's all the rage. (laughs) (laughs) Feminist jokes. Yeah. so I guess because VR isn't necessarily for... Nope. I think we're just talking about the physics of audio and trying to emulate those. So what happens when um, an audio source is further away from you, you know? So the highs get cut out, um, it sounds like it's coming from the left or the right, you know, that sort of thing. Um, we're really just focusing on spatial audio, yeah. There are becoming, you know, live performances um, by musicians who are then coming out 
on VR, doing like live streams with 360 videos and things like that. Um, but it tends to be quite separate from, you know, the instruments that they're playing. So there's not really like MIDI going into the VR game. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Is that what you're getting at? Well, kind of. Well, <laughs> I, I guess I'm sort of trying to work out what do you think is kind of, I mean, beyond mm. what you know, beyond MIDI and the changes, what do you think are the most exciting things happening in audio right now? Ooh. Yeah, I think it is VR. Um, if we think about, like, LCD sound system and Bonobo and Bjork and Radiohead and who else has released a VR single in the last year, you know? I think it's all it's all happening. Um, and people buying tickets to streams of concerts, you know? I was discussing with someone today how much I would pay if I could stand on stage with Bjork, but on the other side of the world. Oh, mm. You know, I was thinking... And how much would you pay? I went up to about 50 bucks. <laughs> oh. Yeah. You yeah. could also make an earth sandwich while you're at it. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Two bucket list things in one. Yeah. That'd yeah. be great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, amazing. So um, how, I mean, this has sort of just been announced and MPA has been around for a while though, hasn't it? So it's yeah. kind of, we've, they've kind of retroactively adopted it. Yeah. In a way. And it's good because, um, so it's been around since 2015 and sort of hardware was getting at it first, trying to be like, you know, how would musicians even use this? Um, and then there was also software that had to collaborate with it. So people were like, oh, well, I will be able to use this in my everyday. So we had people like Apple and Rolly and Bitwig all coming together and being like, let's do this. Um, and, yeah, and I'm glad that it's becoming hey, we want to make this an industry standard because, you know, you've, Bitwig, as far as a uh, tool that the industry uses, isn't very big yet, you know? It's still... So Bitwig, for those who don't know, is a, is a bit like Ableton. It's a piece of music software yeah. that uh, allows you to make music, basically. Yeah, and it's for very live type things and it's for improvising with sort of one person, you know, that bedroom, bedroom producer type of person. Um, and, you know, it integrates with a lot of other performance tools, as with drones. Drones is a performance tool. Someone do that. Björk, please. Okay. <laughs> you really love Björk, eh? And drones. And drones. And drones, and drones yeah. And drones. Who doesn't? Yeah, who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I feel like it's yeah. an exciting time to be in this world again like we're at the edge we're fine we're kind yeah. of at the beginning of th that maybe this might encourage a bit of a burst of creativity in a like the, yeah, in well, the hardware music, space yeah which music is, really changed when midi became this big accessible thing you know you didn't have to own these analog synths anymore you didn't have to own you know the amazing juno synths or whatever you could just sample them and then play them whenever you want it. You just borrow someone's for a bit and then give it back and then you've got those sounds. Um, and music changed, it really did. So I wonder if music will change again, when, you know, when people are playing the sound of, like, this, the way that they do a violin. Like, what, what the hell is that going to be, you know? <laughs> like, I think, I hope we think about sound and instruments a little bit differently. I want to see this new genre. Yeah. Full of expression. 
Well, thank you so much yeah. for coming in. Thanks. Maze, we can't thank you enough for bringing us to, uh, you know, a field recording style uh, type of yes, experience within the Bite yeah. Studio and for demystifying the MIDI changes. Thank you. This is Triple R. You are listening to Bite Into It. It is 20 to 7 or 7.40, depending on which way you want to look at it. Um, I'm Dan, joined with by Vanessa and Simon. And right now we have Ruth Bosch in the studio. Um, Ruth Ruth's website states that she lives for game jams and good tea. Uh, and as well on her website, you can check out some amazing art. Um, Ruth began working in video games as an intern at EA Phenomic in her home country of Germany in 2012. Uh, and has since worked for Xenophile Media, uh, st Striking Entertainment, and by, uh, by way of the GDC, the Game Developers Conference, uh, Ruth now works for League of Geeks, friend of the show. Ruth, welcome to Triple R. Hello, thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. It's good to have uh, um, League of Geeks alumni in the studio. <laughs> um, Ruth, we'll start with the basic question. What's your favorite game? That's a hard one. Um, so I don't have a favorite game, but I think The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask will always have a very special place in my heart. That's a good one. <laughs> That's a good one. Okay. Um, and so can you tell us how you got your start in the industry? Yeah. So I graduated a long time ago. I think it was in 2014-ish. And then I moved to Berlin to... Um, to work my first indie part-time job at striking yep. um and i was also pretty active in the berlin indie game scene which was amazing very lovely people there and that's where your love of game jams started i guess oh it started earlier but that's when i actually started organizing game jams and really helping people out and like painting banners and just you know getting into um, it yeah really getting into it yeah right <laughs> um and after striking um what happened you got a, a scholarship or you applied for something at GDC? Yeah, that's right. So I um, I was working at Striking and the studio is great. It was a lot of fun. However, I was just not really into the game itself. I was looking to do something else. And I was also hoping to be able to um, move to a different country and learn about different cultures and all those kind of things. Just, you know, making experiences elsewhere. And I... Um, so I, I quit my job initially and I was still working my period notice, which was like one and a half months or so. Is that a um, time of leave that you say, I'm going to leave and you give them the, that's right. the time to find someone to replace you? That's right. That's okay. Right. Yeah, that's that's what it is. Yeah. And um, during that time, I was like applying for jobs and, you know, looking around and um, then all of a sudden my friend sent me this link saying, hey, Games Austria has this scholarship program for people who want to go to GDC, specifically women and underrepresented groups and stuff. Um, had GDC been on your radar very much before then? Yes. Um, back when GDC Europe was still a thing, I mm. used to go volunteer all the time with my volunteer squad there. It was really, really cool and lots of fun. However, GDC Europe doesn't really exist anymore and it yeah. is way smaller. It used to be way smaller than GDC San Francisco, which is like the biggest game developers conference <laughs> worldwide. So you wanted to get to the mecca of game development That's at right, uh, San exactly. Francisco. Mm. And um, how did you prepare, prepare for GDC? So firstly, I was like, when my friend sent me that link, I was like, come on, you got to apply for the scholarship. I was like, 
<laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I'm never going to get this. Like this is this is ridiculous. And he was like hassling me. He was like, dude, do it. All you can get is a no. That's the worst case. Just apply. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess. And then I sent them an application like two minutes before the deadline. Midnight. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, I'm familiar with that feeling. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so like a couple of days after I get this phone call um, from Mary Beth Aquino um, going, hey, can you make it? Because you're in. Yeah. And I was like, firstly, I never get many phone calls in my profession. And just like, it's everything's sort of like... Um, goes through email or like messengers and I was like, who's calling me and what is this and who? <gasps> and I <laughs> just completely freaked out. It was incredible. And so, yeah, I, um, I got it. And so my first steps were to just prepare a whole bunch of applications and send them out, then go to GDC, meet the people I sent the applications to and then, you know, have a chat about it. Yeah. But none of that happened. <laughs> none of that happened at all. Um, so the problem was that I was really burnt, burnt out. I was pretty exhausted and um, was like in a bad spot in was my life. Was there a lot of um, grinding it, striking entertainment? Oh, yeah, sadly, yeah. It's just that I couldn't really identify with the game at all. And I, you know, like if you're on Twitter all day, seeing all these indie dev devs doing these really beautiful things and you're like, oh, I want to do that too, you know, like. Um, and just for some reason, I just, I don't know, I just couldn't, I was working on it, but I just couldn't get it all done. So like the only things I was able to get done were my portfolio and my business cards that did not even arrive in time, even though I had ordered them weeks ahead. It was just a sad DHL drama that was happening. <laughs> so I, in the end, had to reprint them in the States and have them re delivered to my hostel. Really? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> that was such a hassle, but yeah. So the, the day um, I got onto the plane to San Francisco was actually the last day of my period notice, like off my work back then. It was pretty exciting. So what, did you finish at 4pm and race to the airport to get on the plane? It was like that night, essentially. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Jeez. pretty crazy. Yeah, right. So you might not have had your applications done. Your business cards just barely came in under the wire. Did you already have your portfolio up on a website at that point? So I had my portfolio up. I wasn't quite that proud of it, but you know, it was there, it's it was accessible. Yeah. My business cards had not, I didn't actually have them. So I had no business cards, no applications, like just really ticket, bad cards. Just a ticket Just to my GDC. ticket, that's right. And I had a complete emotional breakdown. I was like, oh my God, I guess the best case scenario for me is that I'll make some really cool game dev friends at GDC and that I'll come back to Berlin with all this inspiration and motivation to work on my applications, you know, after all this. That was like my, you know, my goal. Go and make friends. Ah, awesome. And like, so it's a good opportunity for networking as well. Um, yeah. Did you just have fun there as well? It must be really exciting. I was very chill. <laughs> <laughs> I... Um, you know, <laughs> after hitting rock bottom, <laughs> I was essentially just, um, you know, hanging out. I was not expecting anything. Like I knew I was like, you know, I, I wasn't going to go there for like active job hunting because I didn't even have my business cards yet. Like I was just like a nobody. I didn't have a job and I don't know, not much of, you know, like not much experience at all. But then halfway through the week, my business cards arrived. And I was like, hey, that's great. And then 
one day I walked down to the exhibition hall where developers um, exhibit their games and League of Geeks had a booth with their game Armello. Um, and that's when I run, uh, when I ran into Ty Carey, my art director, and Trent and Blake, um, the directors of the studio, yeah. and just had a very casual chat. Um, I had known them before, and I had planned to apply at um, at their company, but I was a little too worried because their art is so good, and I was like, oh god, <laughs> I have to study a lot before actually being able to apply. Um, but we just had a chat. So we exchanged business cards that I then had. Um, and then, you know, like I left and we just had, you know, it was nice just a chat. And then a couple hours later, I received a tweet from my art director asking whether I wanted to, you know, come um, have a chat the next day. Um, and I just looked at my phone like, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? What? What just happened? I was absolutely completely I was so excited I did not at all expect that what crazy. did you do to prepare for that chat oh I tried my best not to completely freak out <laughs> I, like not much actually I was so busy <laughs> I was <laughs> it seems to work well for you yes. this yes. pattern was coming out <laughs> I was really busy because you know at GDC you're at all of these you know like you know you're at the you, you, you listen to the talks, you meet all these people, you go to all these parties and you do like several parties a night and then you travel a lot. And it was my first ever time in the States as well. I'd never been before. And, you know, like it was great because I would walk into the shops going, this is my first time in the States. And all the shop assistants would be like, oh my God, welcome. And it was so sweet. <laughs> I loved it. Um, so I was just full on like so excited. And um, then um, the next day I rocked up and the four of us sat together, the three directors and I, and we had the most incredible chat. And then they offered me a job as an artist. That's awesome. Yeah. I think the magic of radio is failing to capture the fact that your work is incredibly beautiful and shows a whole lot of range and, and is quite emotional. Uh, and, and that seems to be the piece that's, that's, that's not, uh, that we're not able to share on the yeah. waves. You, yeah, you're quite humble for like your abilities. I've, I've seen your website and a lot of your art and it's, it's really good. Um, yeah, it's Thank some you. awesome stuff. It's very kind. Yeah. I, I try. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we, we, was Australia a place that you wanted to come to? Was it a um, one of the places that you were looking for a job, or like was it America or UK or some just anywhere? Yeah, so my my goal was to go anywhere that's not Europe at the moment because you know that's where I was grow where I was born, where I grew up all my life. I really wanted to go to either Canada or um, Australia. Just you know, I just really wanted to go there and see see what's happening. And now you're here. And now I'm here. It's crazy. So I essentially after GDC that time, um, that was like early 2016 or so. I got back to Berlin with the best case scenario, just like with, a, with so many friends, with a job, and all I had to do was pack my bags and within a month I left for Australia. And create some beautiful art. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And my WordPress website, that was hard work for me. <laughs> so what would your tips be to somebody who's trying to crack into the games industry and you know thinking about things like GDC? Um, I think what really helped me was being able to be um, easy to find online. Just, you know, have 
your your art handle or your names, you know, be very consistent and be very clear about who you are, what you do. Put your URLs everywhere and, you know, don't clutter it up too much. Just make it, just like imagine your grandma trying to read whatever you're trying to, you know, post online uh, in terms of, you know, position and uh, CV and everything like that. So I was trying my best to come across as clearly as possible. And... Uh, that really helped. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, so how are you enjoying Australia uh, just in general? It is beautiful. Yeah? Yes. It's, I love it. It's really, really nice. I've, um, I'm learning every day all sorts of um, idioms and things you say in, in Australian English, which is fun. Um, and I'm very much enjoying the summer Christmas times, the summer Christmas holidays. Oh, that's so good to hear that someone from Germany enjoys that. It's so good. I do not miss winter at all. <laughs> do not miss it. And everybody's been so lovely and so um, easygoing and the food is crazy good. <laughs> so good. It's a problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and, and the studio, I have to say, the studio is like... The best like i don't want to work anywhere else for sure like it's so everybody's been so patient and loving and very very kind and funny very funny it was a little disappointing to realize that i'm not in fact not funny at all <laughs> when i got here because everybody in the studio is so funny it's yeah. crazy yeah it's a whole new level but that's just the way we like to tease our germans i'm afraid yeah <laughs> all right um ruth it's been so great having you in the studio it's good to see it uh, good to hear that Basically, everything has worked out for you. Uh, <laughs> uh, we do have a couple of events that we'd like to speak to. Um, or do you want to hear AI news, Simon? What do you reckon? Uh, look, I'm excited about this virtual reality cinema. Do it. Let's hear from that. Okay. So uh, Melbourne's first virtual reality cinema called The Virtual Reality Cinema <laughs> <laughs> has just launched in Collingwood. Um the cinema's first program is the director's spotlight on Lester, is it Francois? Francois. Oui. Francois of Studio Bento featuring six of uh, his shorts, uh, Roan, Wall to Wall, Intermission and Three Shorts from the Feast Your Eyes series on South African artists. Um, now Intermission, Wall to Wall and Roan uh, feature the stunning artwork of some of Australia's best street artists. I'm sure that some of you recognise at least one of those names. I love that they're playing to Melbourne's strengths there. Oh, yeah, yeah. totally. Um, anyway, so his films are on this weekend only and there's a free opening night on Friday night uh, and ticketed screenings Saturday and Sunday. So, yeah, they're at 178 Johnson Street, Collingwood. So, yeah, if you want a little bit of free VR, uh, head along on Friday night. I always say that's the best kind of VR. <laughs> love it, love it. We're also starting to get excited about the South by Southwest Conference program. That's going to be on from the 9th to the 18th of March. So keep your eyes out for amazing keynotes. They often stream a whole lot of their events and we'll talk about that in some later shows. Big thank you to our guests this evening, Maze Wallen talking about the MIDI protocol changes and Ruth Bosch, artist from League of Geeks. Excellent to hear um, your story, Ruth, about how you came to Melbourne. Thanks for listening this evening. We've been bite into it and we'll be back next Wednesday. Stay tuned now for the International Pop Underground with Anthony Carew. Yeah.
This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.